the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you ready for some football? Hey, it's Super Bowl week in Miami, and who's not sick of hearing about impeachment and what new ground has been broken there anyway? John Bolton's book is the latest bombshell that's going to end the Trump presidency, and that's probably going to disappoint the Democrats too. But anyway, we're going to talk about football, not X's and O's, but we're going to talk about the future of football, not just as a sport, but as part of the culture. We'll talk to a guy who's written a piece for Forbes.com that says football is in decline and that that decline is accelerating. We'll talk to him about why. He has lots of numbers to back it up, by the way. And, of course, one of the reasons that's uh, been given for the decline is the fear of head injuries. That would be CTE. Merrill Hodge and his co-author of Brainwash, the bad science behind CTE, and the plot to destroy football will also be here. Uh, We talked about this last week. There are some scientists pushing back on all the hysteria about CTE, and we'll cover that. So let's talk some serious football when we come back right here on the John Stoggerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Stick around. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm John Steigerwald. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year... Another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in the network. Isn't it time for a change? Well, stop the insanity and call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30%. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. 724-884-1496. I am doing it all. The water, the fiber, the exercise. But I still have constipation with belly pain, straining, and bloating that keep coming back. My doctor said that I may have a chronic medical condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, linaclotide, is a prescription medication that treats adults with IBS with constipation. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor and learn more at Linzess.com. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S.com. Or call 1-800-LINZESS. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash America. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. 
Just because it's cold outside, it doesn't mean you need to stop grilling, not if you've got the right grill, and that would be a Solaire infrared grill. Solaire infrared grills perform equally well in the cold of winter as in the heat of summer. Just like you feel warm from the sun when you step out of the shadows, the Solaire infrared burners heat your food directly, not the air around the food like conventional grills do. The intense heat also results in the juiciest food you will ever taste from a grill, gas, charcoal, or otherwise. To get the great taste, it's all about the heat. And Solaire Infrared from BestHotGrill.com gets hotter than anything you've ever experienced. Try it yourself with the Solaire Demo Program. Solaire is truly the last grill you'll ever buy. Learn more about these amazing USA-made grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The Answer. Well, in case you hadn't noticed, it is Super Bowl week, and the Super Bowl is still a really big deal. Football is still the most popular sport in the country, but is that forever? Maybe not. Roger Pelkey of Forbes.com did some research that shows the future of football at all levels may not be that great. He joins us now. Roger, thanks for being here. My pleasure. So uh, the headline of the piece is the decline of football is real. And it's accelerating. Now, let's start with the uh, the decline being real. What are the signs that it's real? Um, I cite four different metrics. One is uh, young youth participation, age 6 to 12. That's down by more than 30% since 2008. Um, since 2009, high school participation is down uh, about 8%, not quite 10%. Um, college game attendance, uh, which has been much uh, discussed by athletic directors, uh, peaked in 2013. That's down about 6%. And I was surprised, uh, NFL Super Bowl viewers, uh, are down, uh, depending on how you measure it. But, uh, 2015 was the, the, the ratings peak. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so what about the size that, that decline you're talking about is accelerating? I mean, is it, uh, you mentioned how it's, you know, you made some comparisons there between years, but is that, is that, decline going to continue at a a quicker pace do you think yeah so what i did is i took those four measures and i and i compared what they looked like from 2010 to 2014 um and then from 2014 to 2018 um and in all cases uh the rate of decline was faster in the more recent years so that's the basis for saying that uh it's been accelerating and i think we see that most pronounced and where we have the best data is in the youth participation and high school participation uh, and so, so when did football peak now, as far as you're concerned? Uh, depending on your measure, it peaked uh, sometime in the last decade, from about 2008 to 2013. Uh, depends on the statistic you use, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's pretty well-defined at this point. Yeah, and so uh, this goes way beyond TV ratings and attendance figures, though, doesn't it? You're, you're, I, I get the feeling you're talking mostly about participation, which, uh, if that's the case... Um, that's likely to lead to uh, fewer people watching it in the future on TV. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. I mean, what I'm talking about really is the, is football culturally in the United States broadly defined. Um, the last place you'll see a, a decline um, is the NFL, let's say, TV ratings. Uh, the NFL's small, and it's a big business. So um, that's not the best place to look for, for signs of overall decline. And, and really, youth participation and high school participation, even college participation, um, can go down a long ways before it would ever affect uh, the NFL. Yeah, as, as far as being a feeder system for it, because uh, I think you point out the number of kids who are playing college, number of guys who are playing college football at the Division One level uh, is pretty large, but it's a real small number, like 2% of those who end up going to the NFL. So they don't. the NFL doesn't need a large feeder system. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you think about it, there's uh, you know 7,000 players who uh, come out of college every year, um, and the NFL takes a couple hundred. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a very uh, narrowing uh, pipeline. The, the funnel is large at the opening and really tight at the end. So uh, the NFL gets to pick the, the cream of the crop, that's yeah. for sure. I wonder how many people, uh, kids and, and the parents of kids who play football, are aware of those numbers. I talk about it quite a bit here 
um, what your chances are of if you're a high school football player of ending up in the NFL, and it's uh, I think it's n- uh, nine in ten thousand. I think that's the number I saw. Which yeah, is, you have to be careful with those numbers because uh, you know the, if you take the the country as a whole, um, that includes you know small universities, uh, Division two, II, Division three. And if you take a look at the, let's say the SEC, and take a look at uh, the top programs there, um, athletes who uh, play college football at Alabama, Georgia, uh, LSU, they have a significant chance of going to the NFL. So, so it just depends on on what your your basis is for projecting that forward. But um, it's like basketball. If you're at uh, Kentucky or Duke, uh, you're you're going to be playing pro most likely somewhere. Oh yeah, uh, but maybe not at a smaller college. So. Yeah, but if you're if you're on high school, your your chances of, I think here in Western Pennsylvania, and this is way down from, I mean way down from uh, twenty thirty years ago. Um, I think there were like eight or ten kids who who got Division One football scholarships. It's a yeah. ridiculously small number. It used to be right. twenty or thirty, at least. Right. So that's right. so. So the, the the quality of play that you're getting at the high school level, at least around here, has has deteriorated because they're not producing the same number of kids for the for the Division One schools. Yeah, I mean, there's there are signs of a pretty sharp decline uh, in places that used to be. Uh, Football powerhouses, uh, Ohio, Michigan. Um, I'm starting to see some of that uh, on, on, in the southeast, even uh, from last year to this year. Um, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida also declined in, in high school participation. Well, I have a few. Uh, I have two guests uh, coming in in a few minutes to talk about CTE. Uh, what are the short and long range effects of the CTE scare on your? Um, on the fact that the football is in decline and accelerating. Yeah, if you take a look at the studies, and there are starting to be a number of studies coming out, um, parents are showing concern um, about concussion risks, um, and uh, you know it, it's it's also not just concussions; it's you know repetitive head blows, um, and there's also evidence that parents are interested in seeing age-based restrictions uh, such as you know living tackle and and a contact to age of 12 uh, and so on there has been a, a corresponding uptick in flag football for youth um, and it's not clear uh, not clear to me that uh, kids who start playing flag football are going to um, decide they want to play tackle football in high school um, or <laughs> we'll, we'll see kids and parents uh calling for varsity programs in high school and flag football. So yeah, that could go a number of different ways. Yeah, um, I'm old. I've been around a long time. But um, when I was a kid, uh, there was – I don't remember there – I mean, I think the youngest kids would play football be 11 or 12 years old. And to see um, people uh, uh, lamenting the fact that 8-year-old and 9-year-old kids – might not it might not be a good idea to have them play football and lamenting the fact that it may it may end soon. I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea because I, I don't it's never made much sense to me. But uh, is there are there more kids even with this decline who are playing at an earlier age than there were twenty, thirty, forty years ago? Do you have any numbers on that? No, the numbers. Uh, so the high school numbers are really good. They go back to the sixties. But the uh, youth participation um, is—it's only ac- accurate, I guess, in, over the last decade or so. Um, the Aspen Institute, which keeps the the, the data set on youth football, um, t- starts them at age six, and uh, their data set goes back about uh, 2008. Yeah, um, and you, so the CTE part of it, though the uh, the movie concussion. That uh, got a lot of parents, a lot of uh, attention from parents, didn't it? And and, and you could probably, I don't know if you could um, do it and prove it, but it's, it would seem just uh, pretty obvious that that is not going to be a good thing for football. A movie like that and and that constantly being talked about. Right. Yeah. I mean, the movie came out in twenty fifteen. It's twenty twenty. It's it's. 
Um, we're right about the time where surveys and, and studies can, can start to detect the effect. I mean, you would think logically it's a sound hypothesis um, that if there is discussion out there, um, parents are going to pay attention and maybe change their behavior of what sports they enroll their kids in. Now, you, you talk in your piece about, we have a Super Bowl this week, and you, you talk in your piece about Super Bowl TV ratings as a proportion of the U.S. population, uh, which you don't see very often. You don't see it uh, shown that that in that way very often. So what did you find there as far as uh, proportion of the people watching? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, you can go back to the 1970s and see that um, as a proportion of the U.S. population, uh, there, were, there were much more uh, people watching football. Football was all-consuming. Um, the recent peak uh, was when the Patriots and Seahawks played in 2015. Um, but it's gone down uh, pretty sharply uh, in the time since. And, and you know, it's, it could be a number of factors. It could be the, the, the matchups, the size of the uh, of, of the, the, the metropolitan areas they're from, the national buzz and so on. Um, so that's one number I'm sure people are going to be watching this year is uh, does that trend we've seen over the last five years continue or does it reverse? Uh, in the regular season uh, this past year, uh, the NFL's numbers were, were up in a healthy way. So um, it'll be interesting to see if that carries over to the Super Bowl. But you, you have, what are the numbers on the uh, on the proportion of the, of the population now as compared to, as you said, in the 70s? Yeah, it's about uh, a little less than thirty percent now. It's a huge number, <laughs> yeah. ninety million people or so. Um, but in the seventies, uh, I think the peak—I don't have it right in front of me—but I think the peak was about thirty-nine percent of the population um, was watching the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers play the Dallas Cowboys. And now it's more like thirty. So that's a, like a, a drop yeah. from thirty-nine to thirty, which is a pretty right. good. And that's right. Even though the population's gone up. A large, and it, it does make sense. People have more choices to, you know, for for what they watch. But the Super Bowl is, you know, the event of the year, so it is kind of an interesting metric to see how yeah. much of the nation's attention is focused on that. I think the networks are getting five million dollars for thirty seconds, right, uh, for this game, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> That's a good sign that football is not going away anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. So, but what? When might do you think? Um, we see some real serious effects of what you're talking about. 10 years, 15 you know, years, talk, 20 years? Yeah, you know, I talk in the piece about that, the fact that we already are seeing effects. Uh -huh. One of the most notable effects is, is what I call the regionalization of football. Um, football, particularly at the, the, the youth, high school, college level, um, is becoming increasingly dominated by the Southeast. Um, and I, you know, roughly that's the Southeastern Conference. Um, you see that in the college football playoff. You see that in the participation statistics. Um, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Oklahoma um, are really strong. And you also see that in where the um, the college athletes are recruited from. Most most uh, blue chip players come from that region, um, and they feed all of college football. So I do think that the the decline is already manifesting itself in. Um, kind of an unevenness in the sport uh, across the nation. It's a, a, a it's a cultural issue too. That's a hard to put numbers on, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are some places where there's a really strong youth and high school football culture. Uh, Texas, obviously, um, and there's other places um, like where I'm from in, in uh, Boulder, Colorado, uh, where football doesn't have a strong culture. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll see this kind of mixed. Um, mixed status of football, and in some places it will remain strong, um, but in a lot of places it'll get replaced by by other sports. Um, the, uh, some of the sports that have grown as football has declined are uh, track and field and soccer in particular. Um, so it's uh, it's interesting to see uh, the rise and fall. And you know, the example that you might think about is boxing. Um, boxing used to be a college sport mm -hmm. um, up until the early 1960s. Um, and it, it used to be NCAA championships and so on. And it would, you know, at the time, it was probably pretty hard to imagine boxing going away. Um, it's still, you know, obviously still there, but it's not anything like it used to be. And, no. You know, look forward 50, 70 years, and who knows what, what the status of football will be. Yeah. We're talking to Roger Pelkey. He's a Forbes magazine, wrote a piece. You can see it at Forbes.com. Uh, the headline of the of the piece is the decline of football is real and it's accelerating. 
and some uh, we can't even get into it uh, in our the time that we have here. And there's so many numbers in there that you have to back up your your uh, thesis. Um, but you also think that college football is going to have to. Uh, sort of realign itself in response to the regionalization, which you mentioned there about the the high popularity in the southeast. Yeah, I think we. I mean, we already see that. So um, out west, you know, the Pac-12 is obviously struggling um, as a conference. Um, one reason is they, you know, they don't have a big TV contract, and they don't have a big TV contract because there's not a lot of people in the west uh, compared to the east and, and central time zones. Um, the NFL solved this by, you know, with the N being a national football league, mm-hmm. so that the entire country plays and places with low population uh, balanced out by places with high population. And I wouldn't be surprised if the next wave of uh, college conference realignment, which comes along every so often, um, broadens out um, college football conferences so that they're they're less regional um, and and more national. So it would be better to have um, Michigan and Ohio State playing in the same league as Alabama and Oklahoma. Absolutely, that that would be that's the kind of super leagues I think that are in the future, and you'll have programs in the West like Washington and USC knocking on the door to try to get in, get in, into that grouping. Um, and it, you know, it, it, it's it's difficult to imagine because there is again, it's cultural the, the history of the Big Ten and the SEC. Um, but ultimately, I think economics will, will probably win out over tradition. I think that's a really interesting theory. Um, I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime, but it makes a lot of sense because geography sure doesn't matter anymore. I mean, yeah, to, right. to the fans. I mean, right. It's, you know, what it will do is, um, you know, were it to occur, is bring more money into the sport and put more demands on athletes. So the, the the push for professionalization of uh, college sports will would only get stronger um, if there's more demands for um, national type conferences. And the kids who are not going to play football either this year or ten years from now, what sport are they going to play? They're going to play something. Yeah, that's a good question. One of the one of the interesting data points is that in the first time. Um, the, the National Federation of High School Athletic Administration's um, data set has uh, participation in high school sports went down from last year to this year. So um, for, for, for those of us who think physical activity is a good idea for kids, um, that's not a good sign. No. Um, but there is, um, you know, there's only a few sports um, that have a longer-term decline, wrestling, uh, football, uh, tennis um, on the on the on the girls side, uh, girls basketball has declined a bit, and that's that's troubling for that sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, soccer, cross country, track and field have seen enormous growth. Um, so, and you have new new sports rising where the data is not quite you know there yet to say much other than they're emerging like lacrosse and, and so on. Yeah. So I think kids are going to find sports. Um, pretty readily uh, if they're not playing football. Well, I never heard of lacrosse when I was a kid. The only thing I knew about lacrosse was that they said Jimmy Brown was really good at it. Uh, <laughs> that's the only thing I knew about it. And my grandson just accepted a scholarship to play lacrosse. And uh, so, uh, I, and I've great. gone to see him play. But, I mean, I, I, nobody I knew ever heard of lacrosse when I was a kid. Yeah. And so they're playing. I know yeah, they're but, playing that now. Yeah, well, I moved from Virginia to Colorado when I was a kid, and played lacrosse in Virginia, and they never heard of it in Colorado, and, and now uh, there's programs at, at most high schools. So yeah. I think we'll see, see lacrosse growing in, in the future as well. Well, Roger, I'm out of time. I, I, I wanted to get to you see if you had any, done any studies on baseball, because I think that's a sport that's dying a slow death, too, but maybe we can talk about that some other time. <laughs> I'd love to. All right. Love to. Thank you very much, Roger. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having me. Take care. Okay. And that's Roger Pelkey, Forbes Magazine. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Trump's legal team has made a forceful case against the relevance of possible testimony from former National Security Advisor John Bolton. The lawyers have now ended their defense, and the Senate is braced for debate on whether to allow Bolton and other witnesses into the impeachment trial. 
Tomorrow, the trial begins the questions phase. Today, President Trump unveiled his administration's Mideast peace proposal, calling it an historic opportunity for peace. Stocks closing broadly higher on Wall Street, reversing most of their losses from a sell-off the day before. The gain snapped a two-day skid, driven by fears that the spread of a new virus in China could hamper global economic growth. Technology stocks rose the most today. On Wall Street, the Dow gained 187 points, the Nasdaq up 130. The S&P was ahead 32. This is SRN News. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-880-7474. That's 1-800-880-7474. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-880-7474. Select quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example of policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Mike Gallagher isn't sure which side the Democrats are on. The Democrats are virtually on the side of Iran. As the daughter of Soleimani has vowed that there is going to be dark a dark event happening against the United States as they are promising to literally attack the White House, the Democrats seem to be siding with our enemy. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The Answer. The latest available cost numbers are in for the Port Authority of Allegheny County's bus service, and they remain wholly unflattering. Researchers at the Allegheny Institute for Public Policy say that should raise new concerns as the Mass Transit Agency embarks on its highly touted bus rapid transit project between Oakland and downtown Pittsburgh. Learn more about this topic and others at AlleghenyInstitute.org. This year, celebrating a quarter century of challenging conventional public policy This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy & Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. We're looking at some bridge delays. Veterans Bridge heavy outbound and Liberty Bridge also tying up outbound. Parkway North, very busy outbound from 19 up to Union Avenue. Parkway West, big jam up inbound. Montour Run Road to 60 and from Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Delays on the Parkway East, making your way outbound Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Cloudy, cloudy skies tonight with a few flurries and a low 24. Cloudy most of the time tomorrow with a high 35. A couple clouds around tomorrow night with a low 22. Mainly cloudy on Thursday with a high of 37. Friday, considerably cloudy skies with a high of 40. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Last week on the show, um, I spent a segment talking about what I thought was a really good and really important column by uh, Will Hobson of the Washington Post. He wrote about Bennett Omalu, the doctor played by Will Smith in the movie Concussion, and he said that Omalu was making tons of money traveling around the world selling bad science about CTE. Merrill Hodge and Dr. Peter Cummings co-wrote a book last year called Brainwashed, 
the bad science behind CTE and the plot to destroy football. They took a lot of criticism for going against the grain on the CTE hysteria. Both Merrill and Peter join us now. Thanks for being here, guys. Good to be with you, John. Say, uh, so let's start with this. I mean, Will Hobson wrote that, uh, this is a quote from his column, in the brain science community, there is a wide consensus on one thing. Bennett Omalu, the, ma- the man considered by many the public face of CTE research, routinely exaggerates his accomplishments and dramatically overstates the known risks of CTE and contact sports. That's kind of what you guys said in your book, isn't it? Either one of you can take that one. Yeah, well, I'll take it, and then I'll have um, Doc fill, fill in the gaps, because this is what made the book so powerful. Um Yes, he is, but so is Boston University. You know, he's not the only one, John. Um, they, you can't do one article on all of them. Boston University is doing the same thing. L- let me put this um, so people understand where this so-called pattern of CT is. In October, the entire science world is going to meet in Paris. This is what they're meeting on. They're going to meet on consensus on CT, okay? Now, people may not know what consensus is, okay? That means they're going to look at all the science, and they're going to decide, do we have enough science here? Is there enough work here to call it a disease? Then they got to decide uh, with staging and then the symptoms from the disease. Now, if you're going, well, wait a minute. They already said it's a disease. They already used staging. They already used symptoms. That's what we're talking about. They have never done the proper steps of science, and they're selling it as a disease. They're selling symptoms. They're selling stuff their science can't back. And that's what Mamalu did. I love how Ann Ann McKee butchered him because she's doing the same thing. And people, but people don't know that aspect of it, and that's very tragic and a tragic narrative. So, uh, Dr. Cummings, why uh, you're a doctor yourself, and these are doctors at Boston University, why are they taking the lead on this? How did they get put in a position where they get to decide all this stuff? Sure, and and, to echo what Merrill said, um, I I think that the entire neurotrauma community uh, in terms of scientists are saying, wait a second, we don't have enough information yet to make some of these wild claims that we're making, particularly if we're talking about risks and risks for youth football players. And the way it kind of came around, and we talk about it in the book, is um, BU decided back in 2015 they were going to have a consensus panel, which means a bunch of people sit around and decide uh, what they're going to call something. And they picked 10 of their own cases to look at. They said, here are 10 cases we think are CTE. Why don't you come on in and agree with us? And out of those 10 cases, six of them had another neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's disease. So they weren't even pure or just CTE alone diseases. Um, they left that meeting with the idea that, well, CTE is a pattern. Um, it's a pattern of this protein deposition around blood vessels. That's all we can really say about it. The panel rejected staging. They said there wasn't enough evidence to support the staging that's widely used and reported. There wasn't enough evidence to support associating symptoms with staging. There wasn't any evidence to suggest that um, at this time that this was a progressive disease. And they said, let's leave the door open. We'll come back and revisit this as we get more information. Those subsequent meetings that happened were these rejections of staging and symptom assignment to staging. Those papers were never published. The results of those meetings were never published. But this idea of stage one being associated with rage and anger and suicide ideation, all these things, this is, it's, it's made up. We have no scientific consensus on it. And that's not, that's not saying that, you know, head injury is good. That's not denying that concussions happen. But if we're going to get to the right answer of what's going on, we have to do it through the right scientific process. And that's not happening here. Well, I haven't seen the Aaron Hernandez uh, documentary because I'm I'm just not interested in spending two hours hearing about him. Uh, I don't really care about him, but um, you're smart. Yeah. So um, I, I'm I, I mean, I've been told that that it's uh, that the CTE is being blamed for his behavior. That, and where how, where do they come up? I mean, and 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 there are scientists everywhere nodding their head, or is what Hobson's writing about here, where there's people starting to to uh, to push back on this? 
I'll let I'll let uh, P fill in after this. Here's the people shaking their head that it's okay. Amala's shaking his head that that's what's happening. Anne McKee's shaking her head it's okay. I mean, that's who's shaking their head. It's the people who created the corrupt narrative. It's the people who keep selling stuff that they can't prove. You know, look, Aaron Hernandez committed suicide in uh, in jail. He just lost eighty million dollars. Um, he's going to be put away for life. He, he just had a daughter. Do you know how many people try to commit suicide once they've been put into prison? Nearly half. And they're going to blame football and some pattern. Listen, I knew Aaron was Aaron Hernandez when he, before he was even in high school because he he's in Southern Southern Southington, Connecticut, which is right where ESPN is. I knew about him before he was even in high school. And here's the kind of things you would hear. Kids already in drugs. His parents were very good parents. Um, there's a whole host of issues as a child that you could go through that are, are trauma that can affect you cognitively and emotionally later in life. And those things are part of it. A bad family life, physical abuse, mental abuse, um, drugs, um, um, bullying. A whole, now, those things can affect the kid. And there's scientific evidence and uh, physical evidence to that. There is none that playing contact football, you're going to have this behavioral issue later in life. There's none of that. So to sit there and try to blame, that's the lawyer. The lawyer's trying to blame it, so I could have got him off because he had CT. If he would have went to court of law and they'd have tried to prove that there was actual facts, scientific facts, he'd have been buried. Well, you know, there are people here locally um, who are uh, were seriously saying that uh, Antonio Bryant's problems are probably related to, uh, they seem like they might be related to CTE. He took that big hit from Vontae's perfect you know, three or four years ago in the playoffs, and he's never been the same since. So it must be CTE. Yeah. Can I can I answer that one? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. And, and, yeah, and go, this is something that's really really important. Um, is using the this is where we need to have this dialogue go, is that we can't use the words concussion and CTE synonymously, meaning the same thing. They're not. They're two completely separate and different things. Um, CTE is a pathologic staining pattern in the brain. We don't know what causes it, and we don't know what it causes. Concussion is a head injury, and we know what causes a head injury, and we know what symptoms um, can occur with concussions. And Mickey Collins down there at UPMC does incredible work um, with concussions. And there are the majority of concussions, 95%, 99% of concussions get better within um, a couple of weeks. But there's a small number of concussions that will have symptoms that linger for weeks, months, and even years. But that's not CTE. And that's where the conversation really gets confused. And I saw it all over social media, you know, Antonio Brown's recent behavior, the big hit by Perfect. Um, isn't that CTE? Well, no. And who knows what, I mean, I don't know Antonio Brown that well to be able to tell you what his life is and what other factors he has going on, what stresses is associated with not being in football for a year and relationship breakdowns. But emotional reactions to things are complex and you can't point your finger at just one particular, particular thing. And um, by, by blaming it on this inevitable protein deposition, which again, we don't know what it is, um, detracts from the idea that there are ways we can help people like that. There's therapies for people like that. There are ways that we can get people who are having problems, whether it's cognitive, emotional, um, uh, whatever associated to a previous head injury, there are ways to help that. And by being distracted by this protein, we, we lose track of mental health, which is an important dialogue to have. Uh, we're talking to Merrill Hodge and Dr. Peter Cummings. They co-wrote a book uh, last year called Brainwashed, The Bad Science Behind CTE and the Plot to Destroy Football. Uh, I wrote a column on Hobson's column at TribLive.com this past weekend, and I quoted Christine Brennan of USA Today from her review of your book uh, back in October of 2018. She wrote, if this is a battle between these co-authors and the nation's renowned experts, it's time to invoke the mercy rule. Do you think she might have read <laughs> Hobson's column? You know what? Well, she didn't yeah, read our right? book. <laughs> yeah, John, you know what? She... She read, she, she attacked my book and didn't even read it. Now, just think of this from a journalist perspective. Right. How, how disgusting that is, deliberately, deliberate ignorance, that you're going to write about a book and you never open up the pages and read it. Now, I have Dr. Cummings on this conversation with her, and he's trying to explain all the things she doesn't understand. What the science is really saying, so she can present that 
to all her readers. That's what a journalist should be doing. Right. She has she has somebody from a PhD from Boston University on the other line debating the science with Dr. Cummings, who's a three board certified forensic professor. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Ann, could you just listen to Dr. Cummings for a second, read the book, and then call me back? She's like, I'll never do that. She's and not going like, to read the book. Christine wasn't going to read the book. Re- she ain't going to read the book, and she's not going to listen to Dr. Cummings. And I was just like, see, that's the that's also the problem with this narrative, because you have journalists that are doing that kind of behavior. They're ignoring all of the facts. They're not even, or not even doing their research. You know, I got a clip where Ann McKee was quoted in the media as talking about after she did the uh, um, Spectrum the Disease paper that she thinks all football players have it. She said mm-hmm. that in the public arena. So does Amala say that, yeah. Yes, right. Okay, so that's why that's interesting about the articles. Because Ann McKee is doing the same thing. There's two things. If you go read the scientific paper, the conclusion is clear. It says, paraphrasing here, you cannot use this scientific literature to give any sense of degree of CTE. It says it in there. You can't do this because it's such garbage. Wow. Now, if the journalist just goes and reads the science paper, he reads the conclusion, which you can clearly understand. I understand a lot of science papers are hard. I'm just because I read them and I'd have to call Dr. Cummings and go, hey, what does this mean? However, the journalist then comes back and goes, Ann, why would you lie? Why would you say the complete opposite of what you just authored in the scientific journal? Why would you do that? He doesn't do that. He writes the quote. He believes all football players, your headlines are football, football players have it. And then there you go with the storm. Well, you know, Merrill, I just had a guy on a show here just 15, 20 minutes ago. Uh, he wrote a piece at uh, Forbes.com, and the headline was The Decline of Football and How It's Accelerated, or something like that. But he's talking about the decline of football. And obviously, in the piece, he mentions as one of the factors CTE. Uh, so how much has the fear of CTE affected the game, do you think? And I'm talking about not only from guys you know who uh, still play football in the, at the NFL level, but just what you've seen with young players and what they're being told, and more importantly, I guess, what their parents are being told. Well, I would say this. Is it a factor? Yes. Do I think it's the leading contributor or the major one? Um, I don't know. There's so many other things that are, are variables, too, that you got to consider. Um that is one. And most of it is because they are misinformed. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're misinformed for a reason, because of what the media has presented and their failure to present all of the facts. So that is. But when you start giving them the information and the real facts behind it, like for this example, when I start to tell parents, listen, when you look at a brain development, think of this, John. of the most critical part of the development of the brain is done by age five. And then the next 10% goes from five to age 22. So we're not fully developed till age 22. So tell me why it's okay to start playing contact football at age 12 when the contacts are much more severe. I've coached youth football for almost 20 years. I know what takes place around 12 or 13. It's a magical thing called puberty. Mm-hmm. And kids go from 105 to 165, and the collisions are much more severe. 7 to 11, the impacts that exist, doesn't mean it can't, you can't have a head trauma, are just so minimal compared to um, adolescence and when you get to obesity. I mean, um, to um, the, the puberty stage. Yeah. So why is the brain less important at age 22? I mean... And first of all, they have no scientific facts at all that says our problem, kids are going to have issues later in life if they play contact football. There is none that says that. But I just listed a whole host of things that can be cognitive issues for our kids later in life, from um, bullying to bad parenting to a death in the family to all kinds of trauma from those perspectives can be effect of our kids and a focus. And when you start explaining it to the parents and the facts, I mean, you get a different response, but they're so limited with what they know. They want the one thing that I want for every kid. I want them for my kid. You don't want them to get hurt. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to have an injury. However, I tell them the leading cause of head trauma in this country, John, sports doesn't even come close to this. Tripping and falling. It leads the country in injuries and major brain trauma. That is the category. 
So, like, at Boston University, so smart, just ban tripping and falling. <laughs> don't, don't ban sports. Hey, well, Peter, you, you told me about some, uh, uh, speaking of major uh, at, at BU, Boston University, you told me about some major inconsistencies with studies done by independent experts and then what they found at BU that didn't quite jibe with that. Yeah, there's a lot of it, particularly when you start looking at the age of exposure. And when I... Um, when I started getting into this, um, you know, I was one of those fearful parents who didn't want their kid playing football. And, and you know, to talk, go back a little bit to that original question, there, it's a multifactorial thing. And I've, I've coached flag. I helped run a flag league. I've coached tackle. I talked to all these parents. And, you know, football, is, it's not a sport for everybody. You know, if you don't want your kid to play football, don't play football. It's, it, it, like, my son will never play baseball. He just doesn't have that ability to to pay attention that long, essentially. Um, he loves football. And he. And for me to go through that process of deciding whether or not I wanted him to play, one of the things that really concerned me was the idea that if, if a child was exposed to football earlier on, they had a more likelihood of developing CTE in life, um, and that that CTE was inevitable and that it was going to lead to an inevitable neurodegenerative disease and he was going to become suicidal, and if he lived past his suicidal ideations, he was going to become demented at an early age. That's, that's the Boston University argument, but no one's really supported that, and if you break down BU's own studies, they don't really show that. Um, they've been out, not been able to show any association between the age of exposure and the severity of CTE. In one of their studies, the population with CTE lived longer than the population without CTE. And in another paper, there's a neg- negligible difference between the neuropsych issues that they were trying to measure and CTE. So there may not even be an association between those neuropsych problems and exposure to football. Hey, um, simple, hey. Oh, so go so, ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just going to say other things in these studies could have could have a, 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 a impact on neuropsych issues as well. And if you look at football, particularly from a socioeconomic lens. Um, it only breaks into the top five most popular sports in one income bracket, and that's the second poorest. And these are populations socioeconomically that traditionally have single-parent homes, uh, low income, uh, high divorce rates, other social stressors that are much more well-studied and much more well-established for causing uh, emotional or cognitive issues later in life, in, er, earlier in your 40s, 50s, uh, as you age, opposed to football. So there's so many confounding factors in these. BU studies that they never looked at. When you look at the other studies that have come out of places like Wisconsin and Stanford, they're not able to show these associations um, because they control for these factors. And, well, I'm, I'm you know, the age of exposure is the same. I'm out of time, and I'm uh, Merrill. You've been in the media longer than you were a player, and you understand hard breaks. Um, I do. <laughs> I got uh, 20 seconds. Thanks for being on. I, I wanted. To, I hope that some down there at the uh, Super Bowl that the media does a better job of um, looking into this and uh, you know pushing back a little bit. But I appreciate you guys being on. Thanks, Thanks John. We appreciate your, your article all, is a big step forward. Thank you so much. Okay, we're out of time. That's uh, Merrill Hodge and Dr. Peter Cummings, and we'll be right back. Obamacare, Trump Care, ACA, COBRA. There are so many choices, but all seem to bring one word to mind. Expensive. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today. Fortunately, I know someone that has been on the forefront of health insurance for years. Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They help determine which plan is right for you and then expertly help you choose the best plan for your needs and then do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. Want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer because they know how to design the plans. Most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousand dollars a year. Call Todd at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 on the web at MarleyFG.com. Todd Marley at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496 at MarleyFG.com. She's such a beautiful little puppy. I mean, we walk around the block and neighbors always say, her hair is so beautiful. Healthy and shiny and glossy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Fatty acids, omega-3s, and omega-6s are great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. I would really recommend people starting their puppies on Dynavite before they get into what I would call the misery index. 
bad skin, bad ears, bad breath. Because if they're getting all their vitamins, micronutrients, microbials from the beginning, then you're not going to run into the problems associated with the allergies, grass, pollen, dust dirt, fleas, ticks, you name it, and the itching and shedding down the road. Our vitamins and enzymes replace the nutrients cooked out of most commercial dog foods. Dynavite for life. This is Ed Lukasevic And Cindy Lukasevic Inviting you and your pets to Dynavite. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy! This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The Answer. Uh, not a lot of time to finish up here. Uh, I wanted to give Merrill Hodge and Dr. Uh, Cummings some extra time there because it's kind of a complicated subject. I could have gone on with them. There's a lot more there for them to talk about. Um, I, I, I think there's a pretty good comparison, to me anyway, between the way CTE is presented and the way it's uh, um, appreciated or the way it's the perception of it out there in the public is a lot like climate change. Uh, there are some scientists that that uh, most of the people in the media are just perfectly happy to believe because they think it's a good idea to prevent the kids from uh, being injured in football, and they think they're they're on some kind of a crusade. But there are other scientists out there, like Dr. Cummings, with another uh, side of the story. Maybe they ought to hear it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.